The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. the 167th episode of Social Suplexes podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. Yes, you are hearing right. I am your host, Floyd Johnson, and filling in for our hardworking co-host, Austin Sumowitz, is my boy, my friend, pretty much the person I talk to the most on this earth, Mr. J.R., always wrong, always humble, Perez. How you doing, J.R.? As I'm drinking my Spinger, if you know that's 100% inaccurate because I'm never humble. I'm always right. Just like the old country song, it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way. Yes. Uh, unfortunately, that is your gift and your curse. You are also never wrong and too humble for your, and never humble. So it's okay. We'll, you let us know when you're never wrong. But how, how are you doing today? How, um, we, uh, we just did something, so you can tell the world about it. Yeah, so earlier today, you know, as I think everybody who listens to our podcast knows, you and I are uh, strong advocates and fan uh, fans of the greatest tag team in the history of professional wrestling, FTR. And Uncle Dax Harwood recommended a match that I personally, as much as I love historical wrestling, I have probably only seen once or twice in my lifetime. It was the WWF Championship match from King of the Ring 1994. Between the Intercontinental Champion, the young up-and-comer at the time, Diesel, versus the then WWF Champion, Bret the Hitman Hart. It was one of actually the first of three pay-per-view matches they had. Um, and again, this was for King Learning 1994. It was held in Baltimore, Maryland. And it was a match that I'm glad I got a chance to watch again because it had been so long. Cause I, I really think I've only watched it maybe uh, no more than twice. Um King of the Ring 94, for those of you who are not familiar, um, it was won by Owen Hart, and this was kind of kicking off the summer feud between Owen and Brett, and it, it was a um, this match that they had with Diesel and, and Brett Hart, really good, great ring, strike, uh, ring psychology, um, a very classic big man versus smaller man match. The work weight, the work rate they had was impeccable. Um, I was really surprised on some of the the transitions and moves, um, agility that Kev, that Diesel and people know as Kevin Nash had in that match. It was 
a really great match. And I'm going to go back now and rewatch Survivor Series 1995, which was the last of the three matches they had, um, and compare because there is some they're a little bit different because in King of the 94 there was some outside shenanigans and um, characters involved, and whereas Survivor Series 1995 didn't, so it'll be interesting to see how those matches compare. But it was a really good match. I highly recommend it. And then uh, I think you, Floyd, you and I watched it together, and we talked about it over the phone. So. I don't know if you wanted to add your two cents into it. Yes. Uh, shocking as everybody might they find this. Well, at that point in time in my life, uh, this was June 94. I was just turned 13. Well, I, me and my family didn't get pay-per-views. We were broke. My, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, we were broke, so we never got pay-per-views. I occasionally would go over to my brother's house and watch the big stuff like WrestleMania, SummerSlam, but these... Rest, uh, regular pay-per-views, as they were called, like King of the Ring, never saw it. So actually, I can honestly say this first time I saw this match in full, I probably got the highlights the next night on Raw, but this is the first match I watched in full, and it was really good. It was I, I really enjoyed it. Um, Bret Hart's selling is impeccable. Uh, Kevin Nash worked uh, traditional big man style, lots of backbreakers, lots of rest holds. It was a very simple style, but when you're that big, you didn't really need to do much. Uh, you know, you had the anvil working the corner for Brett. You had Sean on the outside, who somehow, being on the outside of the ring, still made himself a focus of the match. You know, that, that show goes to show you... Um, you know, there's no small roles. You know what I mean? He he played the hell out of that on the outside. We saw some technical difficulties as Sean couldn't get the turnbuckle off in the corner to set up some of the uh, other stuff at the end of the match. So they worked around it. Nash and uh, Brett uh, called an audible and he threw Brett into the ref. And, uh, and then Nash undid the turnbuckle himself which was kind of awesome. I just thought that was fun. That was stuff I wouldn't have noticed in 1994, but I do notice in 2022. Um, yeah, very enjoyable match. Uh, the end, shockingly, <laughs> was there were, There was really no finish. Jim the Anvil Nightheart uh, got frustrated with Kevin Nash and Sean's cheating, and he jumped in and just knocked the shit out of Kevin Nash and or diesel and uh it was a dq so diesel actually beat bret hart uh crazy match it was fun watching it with jr uh um, yeah we're i, I have t taken it to myself that whenever i see wrestlers uh throw out matches on their timeline if i have access to it i'm definitely gonna go and find it because it i mean it took me back to you know a time in my life yeah like well like i said i didn't see a lot of pay-per-views um the early 90s, like 90 to probably 97, as far as pay-per-views, huge hole for me. Huge hole because at that time, we just didn't order pay-per-views, and my brother had yet to get to that point where he could order pay-per-views every month. So it was weird. It was fun, though. It was very, very fun. Uh, thank, uh, thank you for JR for watching it for me. And, yeah, let's move on a little bit. Um... Yeah, uh, I, I was going to tell my story. I almost forgot my story. All right, so before we get started, show, got a little uh, AEW story. As some of you may know, uh, since AEW released Series 1 of their figures, um, and I didn't release the figures. Like, they put them up for pre-sale on uh, 
ringside, I have been collecting AEW figures. So I have right now I have series one through nine, and then I slowly connect collect the chase. I you know I've gotten some chase with my uh, figures, like I got Hangman and I think Lance Archer. Uh, I might even got Nyla uh, with with my figures. But then some people, you know, I've had to literally go online and buy, and I've paid upwards of three hundred dollars for a chase. I've paid as little as I believe ninety. Uh, even even one I got, uh, I've gotten two from my friend Noel, who uh, who has found them in the wild. But through my life, uh, through the uh, through the um, pandemic, I had picked up this habit, and Jr. was on the phone with me many times, or at least texting with me, where I would go to Targets and Walmart's. I've you know Targets all over the city, of Oklahoma metro area. So at least. Six or seven targets in the area, at least eight, eight Walmarts in the area. I've been to Texas. Uh, I've been to Missouri. Walmarts and targets in Missouri. Walmart and Target in Illinois, Nevada, uh, Florida. Um, yeah, uh, Minnesota. I went in and looked for one there. Uh, so over about, I'd say, six to ten states. And I'd say roughly a hundred stores. I have always went in. Everyone, no matter what we're doing, I go to the toy section and see if I can find a chase, right? So I've seen all these people pick up chases, uh, pick up chase figures, which is chase, if you're not aware, it's the rare form, rare versions of the uh, AEW figures. There's the one of 3,000, one of 5,000, that kind of stuff. The very rare figures, right? Well, today I decided... I woke up and I saw a message. Somebody was preparing wrestling companies to chicken. They, I remember they say WWE's KFC, AEW's Popeyes, and you know everybody else is like. But one of the names they, they name is Chick Fil A. If you know, have ever talked to me, Chick Fil A is my one of my favorite places to go eat. So this was a trigger for me to go get Chick Fil A. I, I am telling the story the long way because I just think you have to see how much stuff had to go absolutely right for this to happen. So I decided to go get Chick-fil-A. That's the first thing I did. Got my order for my wife, went over to my normal Chick-fil-A. Uh, there, was a, there was a construction going on at Chick-fil-A, and, that, and it was closed. So I was like, shit, I'm not getting Chick-fil-A. So I called my wife and said, hey, what do you want? Because this is under construction. And before she even said it, I was like, oh, I remember. There's another one. There's another Chick-fil-A in the mall. So I decided, you know what? You have to go in the mall. You can't do drive through So I really wanted it. So I went to the mall, and I won't go going in the mall. So decided to get Chick-fil-A in the mall. So as I was going in, it's downstairs in the food court. I, there's this toy store that I always go to, and I go there for pops. So I went over to the toy store, looked for uh, rare pops. They had a couple pops that I might get, you know, uh, Scarlet Witch, Glow in the Dark, that kind of stuff. And I was like, no, nah, I don't really want to pop. So I went over to the wrestling figures, see if they had any WWE chase figures. Because the last time I went there, they didn't even sell AEW figures. So I go over and I look, and the first thing I see in the bottom right corner are AEW figures. And I saw a Brody Lee. I moved it out of uh, a Brody Lee and Anna J. And then there was a figure behind Anna J. I moved it out the way. It was another Brody Lee. I was like, oh, okay, they have the same thing everybody else. 
Well, on the bottom row was a Nick Jackson. And I was like, well, Matt Jackson's probably behind him, but let me go ahead and check. I pulled uh, I pulled the Nick Jackson out of the way. Boom. Series 8, John Moxley Chase, 1 of 5,000. This is the not only the first Chase figure I've ever purchased uh, in the wild is what they call uh, a toy store, but f- first one I ever purchased in store. This is the first one I've ever even seen in a store. 1 of 5,000. After hundreds of stores, many, just nothing, nothing, nothing. I finally found it. First thing I do, call JR. He doesn't answer because he hates me. And then, but I did buy the figure. I like, I didn't even buy the figure yet. And I had called JR. He was, he was like, no, I don't want to talk to Floyd right now. I hate him. But I got the figure, took the picture, sent it to everybody online. Dude, so I've talked to my friend, Mr. Rosario Griller. Uh, John Grillo, my guy, and we talked about toys, and we talked about we talked about the feeling of getting a good find. Like I've gotten good finds. I've found other type of chase figures that other people wanted. I've found figures that my friends haven't gotten. I've gotten for them, and I've shipped off fifteen, twenty figures at least. I've shipped you shipped uh, shipped you a figure, right, Jr. Uh, you actually delivered it to me. Yes. Yes. So we've done this figure thing, and I'm always finding stuff for everybody else, but nothing for me. So I finally found this one. It's one of, it is a feeling of euphoria that I cannot compare to anything else. I mean, really. It's like, oh, my God. I, I can't describe it. It's not quite sex. Sex is better. Uh, but it is, it is, it is like a euphoric, just in that moment feeling of good that basically I see why people figure hunt because when you find a good find and I found this figure that I was prepared to spend 80 bucks on Monday, I found it for twenty nine ninety nine. That is an excellent feeling. I understand why people do it. I am still a grown man that gets excited about finding the toy that I want. I have no problem saying it exactly like that. So, yes, today was a good day. It was so good. I told my wife. I went and told my wife, who was giving me the biggest I don't give a fuck look ever. I love her, but she does not care about this shit at all. Uh, I told her I should go back to sleep because this day is not going to get better than this. (laughs) Nothing can happen today is going to make it better than this. So it's it's really fun. Um yeah. Uh JR, any thoughts that you would like to share on my epic toy find? Um, nah, it's it's one of those things for for if you're a collector and for those of you who don't understand, it's basically the equivalent of like if you buy a scratcher and you hit like you know, it was like you buy a dollar scratcher and if you hit like a hundred dollars it's because it's just the po- the probability of it happening is not high, and that's like probably the only comparison I give it to. It, we, you know, I hit this, you know, a, basically like a mini jackpot. And for me, still so you know, I'm not really into collecting figures anymore, but I'm into car collecting, and it's just it's it's hard. It's tough to find those rarities out there in the wild, and when you do, and you do get, you know, hit that kind of that jackpot it's, it's such a great feeling and uh it just uh, it we call it in car collecting the thrill of the chase and uh, it's just i if 
it's one of those things if you get in, if you're not into collecting um it's definitely you know something that if you have the financial means you know like for me i i have set aside uh, a monthly portion of my check that's specifically just towards collecting whether it's pops whether it's you know collecting football cards um and like that's what that's what i do and so some of that money is invested to to looking just specifically for the thrill of the chase and when you hit that it's just like i said for those who are not collecting it's like in the lottery if, if you aren't collecting you know exactly what i'm talking about Dude, I talked to the lady up front, and she was just so she was so happy that I was happy that I found what I wanted. She started telling me about they had this Lego Groot set, and she was really excited about it. And it was just funny because we were two grown ass people, <laughs> just like sitting there, just marking out, super excited about what toys. It was great. It was a great moment, a great uh, great part of my day. So I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, throw that out there because i was like it does have something to do with AEW, and uh, man it's just yeah it's good i'm like i'm like still pumped up i'm like i want to go i want to go fig hunting right now like i said I, I i've always told jr all the time since he is one of my closest friends and people i talk to most and most importantly he does not have children uh other than his dog and shout out to dusty uh but I was like, dude, I just wish you lived near me so we could go do stuff. And the thing is, if I live near me, JR is probably very happy he doesn't live near me because then he wouldn't have to always tell me he doesn't want to do anything. <laughs> I was like, hey, don't you want to go spend hours going to different stores and asking people questions so you can find this toy with me? And JR is like, no, pass, pass. I, I, I definitely pass. No, uh, but it's 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 fun. I'm excited. We're gonna get in the show now. I'm sorry that was a long-winded way to talk about my toy, and probably no one wants to hear me talk about getting my toy. But it, like literally, it was Jr. Dave, because me and Dave had just talked Monday about deciding whether I was gonna get a figure, and it was Jr. Dave. And I called him immediately and told him about it. So there might be the only two people that are interested in this story, and they've already heard it like three times today because I've been so excited. So so uh, before we get into the show, just make sure you're downloading the fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. Please leave a rating and review if you're so inclined. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at AT Elite Pod. Then you should definitely also be following at Social Suplex. Uh, Austin's po- uh, Twitter at Austin Sumowitz. That's S-Z-U-M. O-W-I-C-Z, or me, at Floyd Johnson Jr., or J-R, at Lucha Professor on Twitter. So you can follow any of us on Twitter to get keep up with All Things Elite. If you ever have any questions you want to answer in the show, just tag All Things Elite or send a DM, and I will answer it on the show. Shout out to Ryan, who is one of our faithful Listeners that always ask me questions on the show, and, and he he does a, a ECW podcast that I will share from uh, the All Things Elite uh, account. Uh, but yes, so I'm very much looking forward to talking about this week in the AEW. So the big news of the week uh, is there too much drama in AEW? And we will. I'm going to let JR take this question first, and we're going to keep this short so we can get into our review and preview. I know JR has to go to bed, so we're not going to hold you on too long. 
But let me ask you, JR, and I'm going to mute and let you say your piece and you let me know when you're done. Is there with the newest drama, just throwing this out there, Sammy and Andrade. Andre said, Andrade said in the interview that Sammy complained about getting hit too hard. He said he went to Sammy. Sammy didn't have anything to say about it. Sammy says that didn't happen. They never talked about it. He never denied saying that uh, Andrade hit too hard. But Andrade, being kind of old school, coming from second generation, third generation wrestling, he just says it's wrestling, you know. If I hit you hard, we settle in the ring. You hit me back, and that's how we settle it. And so I'm, I'm very interested because that's how I've always heard it settled in the ring. Somebody's stiffing you or going too hard, you just hit them back, and they kind of, it kind of knocks some sense into them and let them know, you know, not to, you know, not to hit that hard the next time. So let's get to it, Jr. What do you think about this drama? So this. So a situation with Andrade and Sammy Guevara. Let me first pref- uh, preface this by saying, um, as a cautious wrestling fan, is in today's wrestling, and I think more so with AEW than than any other companies. There's so much work shoots that occur, uh, or shoot works, or whatever you want to call it, um, because they you want. They want to blur the lines of what's reality versus what's not reality. And I, I think there's uh, a lot of reasons why to do that. Um, so you don't know what's real or not real. But if you believe that this situation is real, that this is since probably around August, um, off the top of my head, uh, probably the fifth uh situation of potential backstage drama or issues that are have occurred between talent and um it is not uncommon for there to be any sort of issues or dislike with your colleagues that is just part of um just working and i've seen it in every facet of the various positions I've held in my life in the the 15 plus years that I've worked. Um, and I think anybody who works in any profession, whether it's professional wrestling, whether it's the National Football League, whether it's working in an education setting or a corporation, um, you're going to have situations where colleagues and peers just don't get along don't work well with one another um, because we're humans and in humans um we don't all mesh well together we all don't have good chemistry with one and that just sometimes creates animosity among each other the important thing that you have to have a strong a strong organizational um mindset where that if these issues do occur is that things are settled and uh peace is restored now that's not it's easier said than done but it's important for the sake of the organization or company or business that you are a part of and i do don't know if there's a difference of a lot of drama Versus just drama playing out in pub in the public guy, um, 
versus let's say WWE or anything that's in the pumps. Um, you know, I, like I said, the National Football League, Major League Baseball, if you start adding elements of entertainment, TV show series and things of that nature. Um, I think what's the most important thing, though, is that these situations for the AEW executive, which is the founder, CEO, chief, whatever you want to call him, Tony Khan, and his staff, is that they really need to examine how... Uh, what is going on in their organizational culture and put in measures in place for these things um, to be uh, rectified or solved, um, as we call it in in our area, conflict mediation. Um, You know, you don't have to like one another to work with another, but it's also important to respect one another um, in order to take care of business. Now, does that mean that they have to have matches together? Absolutely not, especially in this situation, they're both heels. But it does paint you in a negative light, and I think that's where the issue is um, compared to, let's say, WWE, where I think we've all known over the course of you know the last five or ten years that there have been situations where coworkers just don't like each other. But it's kind of kept internally, and it's not, um, and even when it's discussed, it just doesn't seem to be as big of a deal as um, what we've seen in AEW. You has such a strong online fan base that that when it does play out, it gets blown up um, times ten because everybody starts talking about it and they start feeding it, feeding into it. So. Um, that's pretty much it. Like I said, I, I would just add, I, I hope that Tony Khan and his staff, um, they and those who run the organization start putting, you know, do put measures in place. And, and in two ways, one is like, hey, man, if you have, or whether it's a male wrestler, or female wrestlers, if you have problems with each other, you know, we need to sell this like professionals. We shouldn't this, and that's discussing things in a, professional setting and not airing you know dairy laundry online and i just to me that's just unprofessional um you know to do things like that you you need to hold yourself to a higher standard than air grievances in public um again in any organization that you're a part of and then two is i really think tony khan needs to hire some sort of pr experts PR people or PR departments doing, but obviously not enough because these things should not be occurring. I think that's one of the differences between AEW. You don't see these type of tweets releases that occur that the social media. Okay, visuals. You might not have be having a good signal because you were cutting out a little bit there. Just to kind of clarify, <clears throat> he's saying he needs somebody to hire someone that works in PR because you don't kind of see the same kind of things in the other company, correct? Correct. And that's why I leave it at that. All right. So my thoughts on this situation is this. Uh, after talking to JR and uh, Dave, who are my wise counsels, because sometimes they help me see things in a way because 
I see things a certain way. And let's go that way. I've been watching wrestling my whole life. I don't think that makes me better than anyone else. I want to make that clear. I just, because of how long I've been watching wrestling and how much I've been into the insider knowledge, quote unquote, I have developed scar tissue to and thick skin towards this stuff. So when I hear about Sammy and uh Sammy and um Eddie and Sammy and Andrade, I think of all of it as wrestling BS. General wrestling BS. And it's not an AEW thing. I say the same thing about WWE when it was Brock Lesnar and Matt Riddle, Charlotte and Becky, whatever. I could go over the list of people that have had problems with each other. I just think it's all BS. They're all adults. Not every adult's going to like each other, especially in a work environment, especially in a work environment where literally your boss decides who's going to make money for their company. So, yes, it is a very volatile situation. So you're going to get people that don't like people and all that stuff. And I just think of it's BS. I just keep watching wrestling. That's my experience. That's not everyone else's experience. I learned that from uh, Sir Sam today. He says... All the drama makes him not want to watch. It makes him not interested in the characters. And for me, because I built up the scar tissue, I couldn't even see his point of view. My mind was closed to his point of view. But then talk to JR, talk to Dave a little bit. They opened my mind up to try to see it from his side. You know, these people that have the same face and the same name as their characters. This is not a TV show. This is not Friends where you know there's a difference between David David Schwimmer and Ross and you know there's a difference between Jennifer Aniston and Rachel. These are people that pretty much go by something similar to their real names and act similar to their real names. So when they do something dickish, you don't really want to root for their character on TV because in a lot of ways, they're the same person. And it's like, oh my God, I never even seen it that way, but I can understand it. And because I can see it that way, I'm going to tell TK, who probably has never even heard of this show or listened to this show. Unfortunately, AEW has a perception problem. The thing about WWE is all that shit could go on. And the perception was that Vince had it in check. Vince was in control. No matter what came out, no matter if he controlled it or not, the perception was Vince was in control of it. AEW has that exact opposite perception. All of this could be work, shoot, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But the perception is Tony Khan does not have control of his company. To the average everyday viewer that choosing turns into AEW, watches it on Wednesday and Fridays, and doesn't get on the internet and talk about it, that means nothing to them. That's the majority of the people that watch AEW. But to your internet community, the people that are on the internet all the time. Because I truly do. When you say the IC, uh, IWC, I don't think people understand what you mean by the IWC. IWC is not anyone with the internet. Because everybody has the internet. IWC are people on the internet who choose to speak and communicate about wrestling regularly. 
that is the IWC. And that percentage is not a huge percent of what AEW are, but I think it's a bigger percentage of AEW than it is of WWE. And I am seeing people that were ardent, passionate AEW fans kind of coming back. All of this drama, all of this stuff that's coming out is wearing on them. They're just tired of hearing it all the time. They just want to watch their wrestling. They, they, as, as the man Jonathan Snowden put it so eloquently, they just want to watch their stories. And, it, and I completely understand that line of thinking. I don't want to hear about the crap. I find it hard to separate. So TK has to get this under control. The guy, that what he needs to do, in my opinion, as a person that has never ran a wrestling company, but just I've seen how companies are ran. He needs to hire a fist. <laughs> the fist of AEW. It's so weird to say it like this. But when I'm saying the hand, like the king has his hand, he needs a guy that's going to go deliver, going to put his foot down and deliver the bad news that no one wants to hear. It might be somebody already in his employ. Jim Ross held a similar job in the late 90s in the WWE. It might be Christopher Daniels, Jerry Lynn, Arn Anderson. Pick someone there or hire someone outside that's already not likable. And they need to get this shit under control because you're not losing me. You're never going to lose me. You're probably not losing someone like JR or someone like Dave, but you're going to lose Sam. Sam, who is very passionate about AEW. Sam, who does a show about the AEW match guy, who loves John Moxley, and he just wants to tune into AEW every week, and he wants to watch his stories. You're going to lose someone like his with all the excess bullshit. Because Sam hasn't developed this. And in, in the world of 24-hour news cycle, you get the information right there. And you have your wrestlers, which again, doesn't bother me, getting on there, communicating, going back and forth with each other. Andrade and Sammy are both heels. It doesn't even lead to a natural rivalry in your company. So they really need to get this shit together. And Sammy... I'm going to tell you something that I would never tell someone in their 20s because you're a grown-ass man. But you have a good, seemingly good job. You, you got your wife. You seem to be a very happy person. You do your vlog, which is amazing. Other than that, maybe log out a little bit. Maybe take a step back because it seems like you're having a lot of problems with a lot of different people, which... I, for one, I understand you, you're always cool with me. You know, you seem to have some people that are very loyal to you. So how about you just bag out and, you know, just try to stay out of it. Like in this Andrade thing. You know what? Maybe you overreacted. Maybe you didn't. Still apologize. Because that's what I've always done. I don't care if I'm wrong. I, I When it comes to coworkers, I'll just be like, you know what, dude? But it's wrestling. I don't get wrestling. I've never worked in wrestling. There is a, there is a magic to working wrestling and, you know, uh, weaving your way through the political BS that is wrestling. And you have Chris Jericho and ever, he'll maybe be your wise sage and advisor. But in this situation, as, as I speak to it, yes, there's too much drama in AEW right now. The, uh, the Young Bucks and CM Punk thing, were, which is, was way over the top, has made everybody sensitive to anything. 
So right now, you know, they have those uh, days without incident calendars with AEW. They need to make it to about 30 or 45 days without an internal incident. I know it's crazy. And it's not even 30 to 40 days without an internal incident. It's a workplace that's not going to happen. But you're going to need to be 30 to 45 days without us finding out about it. You need to tighten your ship. You need to tighten the lips around the company and keep that shit inside. That's how I think about it. JR, do you have any thoughts on my thoughts before we get into the review and preview? I'll just, I'll end it with this. Um, I learned this a long time ago in my career, and that is you can't control other people. And I'm telling I'm telling this to fellow wrestling fans. You can't control what AEW does. You can't control what goes on in what's the discourse in social media from the internet wrestling community and or the AEW community. What you can control is what you do with your time and energy. And if you find it where that if you're involved in the wrestling Twitter, internet wrestling community, Facebook groups tiktok whatever whatever for social media that it is becoming a situation where all these discussions and discourses is affecting your enjoyment of professional wrestling um and i say this with with love and kindness then it's time to examine how you use your energy and time and maybe pull back and and i know why we joined these these wrestling communities is to find like-minded individuals who enjoy wrestling. But while we all have wrestling as our common bond, that doesn't mean we have similar mindsets and similar opinions. And I know when I joined that's you know, I didn't know that at first. And it took me a few years to find a core group of friends who enjoy wrestling like I do who are not involved in the wrestling community, you know, fights and negativity that all fan bases have, just not wrestling. And so there are times where I'm just like, man, this is just, I'm, I just don't, I'm tired of hearing all this bullshit. And I'll just, you know, pull back and I will continue having my discussions with my core group of friends. And then I'll just watch wrestling. And if you do that for about a week, you realize that. You don't even need to be involved in that. You'll start muting things. You'll start blocking things. And then you will create yourself a nice little sanctum where you don't hear any of that noise and nonsense. And you can just go back to enjoying wrestling like when you were younger. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. So let's get on to this. It's actually going to be a pretty quick uh, review. We're not going to spend a lot of time on everything. Uh, Cause you know we just spent a lot of time talking about this, and we well, are trying. Hey, one add um, that into uh, this. Um, if I'm not mistaken, AW Dynamite and Rampage was held in. Okay, Bacon. hold on just a second. So you were coming through clear for a while, and you just cut out. So I don't know if you moved or whatever. But can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Uh, so. Um, as AEW Dynamite Rampage last week, if I'm not mistaken, came, uh, res- was emanated from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Yeah, that is correct. And so this show, uh, I will 
as we get into this, one of the reasons why it's going to probably be quick is this show uh, was taken, uh, happened during a very uh, um, horrific and um, natural disaster, Hurricane Ian, that wrecked Florida and multiple uh, multiple cities in Florida. And if, if wrestling fans don't know, there is a significant majority of professional wrestlers that reside in the state of Florida. So there were a number of individuals who unfortunately, you know, had to deal with the the effects of the hurricane as it was ongoing and couldn't make it to Dynamite. So Dynamite and Rampage, for, you know, pretty much all intents and purposes, in my opinion, and, and you can share your opinion, Floyd, was done in a way that just felt a lot different than a normal dynamite because of, I believe, a limited roster that they had available. And on TV, the Philly crowd did not come off like any Philly crowd I've ever heard. So, I, you know, I'm not saying the Philly crowd sucked because I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the way it was audioed and the way it looked, it didn't look like y'all were very into the show for a lot of the show. So, uh, yeah. Uh, and there's one segment we're probably going to spend a little bit of time about. It's the hot segment of the week that everybody was talking about. But we opened up with the Jericho Appreciation Society celebration. Uh, Jericho came with the ring with Parker, Menard, uh, Anna Jay, uh, Pure Champion Garcia, Guevara, and Tay Mello. Uh, they had a celebration in the ring, they had pizzas. They took all the shots at New York City. Uh, uh, they took all the shots at Philly by saying they, they had Luigi bring in New York pizza because, you know, Philly pizza is terrible. Uh, and then he asked if anyone gunts pizza, and they said none of you get pizza, uh, in a, do you, but you do get the greatest uh, ROH champion of all time, Chris Jericho. <laughs> so segment went on. Uh, Brian Danielson comes out. Um, at the ending point, uh, during this, Garcia slaps Luigi and, uh, Garcia challenges, uh, uh, and Danielson tells Garcia, Hey, you can do what you want. You can join the Jericho Appreciation Society. You can come to the Blackpool Combat Club. You can do neither, but you can do whatever you decide you want to do. And then Jericho's like, no, you know, you don't have that choice. You come with me. So um, Garcia's challenged them to a match with Garcia and Danielson versus Chris Jericho and uh, Sammy G for this week or today in um, uh, any Dynamite anniversary in uh, D.C. So we'll talk about that a little later. So Matt Menard says, we're sick of your crap. We had you, uh, he's saying this to Daniel Garcia. We had your back since day one. Now you want to spit in our face and tag with Danielson. I'd have punched you in the face right now. Right now, uh, right now, well, I have some good news. I was told I can come out here and have a fight with anybody that wants one. So why don't we have a fight between Daddy Magic and Brian Danielson? They have a match during the match. Claudio ran out and uh, picked up Angelo Parker and carried him away. Uh, Danielson nailed uh, Matt with a running knee strike and then forced him to tap out via the LaBelle lock. What did you think about this segment and your match, JR? Um, it, every single one of the uh, individuals in Jericho Appreciation Society came out in these 
very bright purple suits and it literally felt like it distorted my television. I felt like I didn't have the right color contrast for at least 30 minutes after that segment. It was crazy. I enjoyed the match. It's Brian Danielson. And and I said, you know, as much criticism as I give for Jericho Appreciation Society and just Jericho himself, one of the, I think the best thing about it is elevating the team of, um, which we used to be called 2.0, but now ever uh, Daddy Magic and Cool Hand, and as well as Daniel Garcia. Uh, and they found a way to continue this feud of essentially the Blackpool Combat Camp versus JSA for, I mean, for the better part of almost like four to five months. So um, with the storyline, you know, now focusing on Daniel Garcia, I do think though very soon they're going to have to do something significant because I think they're at that point where it's like it's going from people caring to where it's about to get stale if he continues in this, you know, where what's Daniel going to do? Is he going to join the Black Black Club? Is he going to stay with uh, with JSA? Is he going to turn babyface? Is he going to turn heel? So I think something significant needs to happen. And hopefully, obviously, we'll talk about it. It does happen. All right. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a really good match. Really good segment. I thought it was necessary. Well, the match was not really good. The match was fine. The segment was really good. I think they needed to kill a lot of time, so it probably went on a little longer than they thought uh, they thought it would. But uh, not anything that they thought they would. It probably went on longer than it was probably planned originally. So a lot of time felt like they were wasting time. But the match itself was good. I loved the Claudio getting his spot with uh, dragging Angelo Parker out the out the back. Uh, that was all good. Uh, up next, we had the Casino Ladder match and the self-proclaimed devil, MJF. Before, they, uh, before MJF could come out, Willa Union stormed the ring. And Yuta, Willa Union has a serious problem. So... I, I'm going to stop before this and give thoughts on something. Willer Yuta has, I've heard a rap of him not being great on the mic. He's not great on the mic compared to MJF. MJF is a phenom. MJF is pretty much nothing we've seen before as someone so young and so gifted on the mic. Please don't compare Willer Yuta to MJF. Compare Willer Yuta to what he's asking to do. So, Willer Yuta was asked to come out here and cut a fiery babyface promo. And he did a perfectly acceptable to good fiery babyface promo. Uh, he, he's basically said Philly don't get too excited because we know Mike Max likes to run a hide. Max knows once the bell ring, he can't hang with me. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, 
prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Come down here and take this ass kicking you deserve. MJ Elf's music kicks off and say everybody give it up to Willa Yuta, the hometown boy. Tony Schiavone is a coward, just like everybody else in this arena. Except you, Willa. You're no coward. You and I wrestled up and down when we wrestled on the independent cir- circuit. You made a mistake when you went toe-to-toe with me on the microphone last week. You're taking up my time, the biggest draw in AEW. At 26 years of age, I make more money than this bum town and everybody watching at home. And again, fiery baby face, Yuta comes back. I don't care about your money. I don't care about your scarf. If you don't want to fight me in this ring, I'll leave you in a pool of flood, blood on Broad Street. You may not know this, Max, but bad things happen in Philadelphia, and tonight is no exception. Colton and Austin from the firm come out to BMJF Security. Uh, M- uh, MJF said, I'll see you next week in Dumpy, D.C. I'm going to go up in the skybox and watch John Rock Moxley wrestle. So did you have any thoughts on this segment, sir? I definitely do believe that Willard Yuta um, did a lot better this week in Philly, his hometown. I, I really enjoyed the, the line about Broad Street. You know, I and I also enjoy the fact that they are looking at elevating younger talent. I just mentioned about, you know, Daddy Magic, Cohen, Daniel Garcia, and Willa Yuta. Um I I think we all know how this is gonna end in this feud, but it's it's good though, because that's what people want to see from AEW is just the, the developing and and elevating younger talent. Absolutely. So uh, we go on to the AEW World Championship elim- uh, Eliminator match. We got John Moxley versus Rock Hard Juice Commentary uh, uh, Juice Robinson. I read to started reading the second line before I finished that one. William Regal joined the commentary team for this match. That's the part I started reading. Uh, uh, reading in, uh, uh, William Regal called Excalibur his rice. Crispy treat and told him he would like to snap, crackle, and pop him. I, I was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. <laughs> no, just kidding. I love it. I love William Regal just uh, flirting with Excalibur. It's amazing. Uh, all right. So we get to the end of the match. Juice gouged out Moxley's eyes. Uh, gouged at Moxley's eyes. Juice powerbomb Moxley for a two count. Juice landed to Pulp Friction and near fall on Moxley. Moxley rocked uh, Juice with a regal knee and then forced Juice to tap out after applying a cross arm breaker. Winner of the Golden Tickle and Grand Slam Battle Royal Hangman came out to the ring and had a stare down with Mox. MJF jumped on the mic. 
whoa, 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 settle down. Don't you realize you're not fighting each other, man? You're fighting to lose because once you morons get to Cincinnati, I may cash in my chip and become the AEW world champion. Uh, at this point, William Yuli grabbed MJ from behind and started beating him up until security pulled him off. So, first, uh, in order, what did you think about the match? What did you think about the stare down? What did you think about MJF and the Willow Yuta fight? Uh, the one thing I, I enjoyed was the give me the background about Juice Robinson. Um, Juice Robinson had made a heck of a name for himself in Japan after, in my opinion, you know, for what it's worth, which is you know, two cents is underachieving in the states when in his previous uh, employer, and has done extremely well in in, in New Japan, and I like the what they called back about, you know, he, you know, took the new, the IWGP United States championship they've had previous. So it, it kind of builds up that for those who may not know Juice Robinson, like, Hey, this guy is somebody, this is a force we reckon with. Moxley needs to know who he's in the ring with and remember who's in the ring with. And he, since joining Bullet Club, um, and even before that, but really since joining Bullet Club though, he just had, he has this nasty streak and he looks phenomenal. And, um, I think it, it worked out well, and I would like to see Juice Robinson um, in the more of a regular role in AEW. Um, I think it's something that fans um, would definitely get a chance to en- uh, enjoy his work. Um, and then the after part about MJF and Willard Yuta, just I loved I loved every part of it because I, I feel like it gave Willard like this killer instinct, like I am going to ruin you next week in Washington. Yes. Um, yeah, uh, match was fine. It was a, a match. Uh, I don't know if Juice Robinson has a long-term potential in AEW uh, without like, joining some kind of faction or group. That's just kind of how AEW's ran. Uh, but I thought the match was fine. I've always, I love the Rock Hard Juice presentation. I love how physical he is. It makes me take him serious. I was not a big fan of the flamboyant Juice, Juice, Juice. No, I wasn't. A big fan of that guy, but I am fine, a fan of Rock Hard. Uh, Moxley just wins definitively. I would have liked a few more close calls with him, but he just wins definitively, and we move on. Uh, so um, yeah. the Hangman stare down was great. Uh, he was wearing a pink Dolly Parton shirt. Uh, Hangman's fashion is questionable, to say the least. Uh, they uh for a stare down with one of the roughest, toughest men in AEW. You wear a pink Dolly Parton shirt. That takes a tough man right there. And then um, Will Yuta. I thought this was perfectly shot. Well, him standing behind uh MJF uh was perfectly done. Living up to the hey, I will find you wherever you are and fight you. I love that this is the side of Will Yuta. That he understands, I'm not going to out-talk this man, but I can beat the crap out of him. And I like that part. All right, next we move on to, we hear from Soraya. Uh, And this whole thing was controversial, to say the least. She says she's back. Feels fantastic you're back. It's been a crazy road, but I'm damaged, but I'm not broken. At the end of the day, I will create change in the division. I am the revolution. AEW is officially my house. Let's bring all the ladies out right now. Uh, she brought out all the women. She said they were awesome. Britt Baker comes out. She brings out women's 
with her. Britt Baker then cuts a promo. Everybody says DMD. Britt Baker puts over Serena Deeb and says she's going to mess up Tony. Uh, one misstep from you. You're in the ring with the professor. And we'll hear the words and new bring out Serena. So before we talk about the match, JR, what did you think of this segment? Because I might have some controversial thoughts on this segment. Um, the, this is something that I felt unfortunately dragged on. Um, and I'm going to, I'm going to give Soraya the benefit of the doubt. And I think she probably admitted it. I, I think she admitted it that she hadn't been doing promos in a long time. And, you know, it's, it's tough, you know, talking in front of a crowd, you know, I've talked in front of big crowds, but you know, as big as a couple of thousand, but not as big of a wrestling crowd. That was in Philadelphia. So, you know, something that she's definitely going to have to get back in the groove of things. You know, I don't think it's as easy as they say, like riding a bike. The issue, the issue I have with it, though, on a, a different point is with the debut of Soraya wasn't here. And the presentation of Soraya and what they've done is that they completely overshadow their interim AW champion, Tony Storm, in this segment. Um, who basically seemed like a, you know, supporting character. And with the debut of Soraya, it is basically just reverted Jamie Hayter back to a lackey. And um, that was somebody that the crowd wanted to see, you know, turn babyface or turn on Britt Baker. So the two stars that should be more of a focal point, which is Tony, your interim women's champion, and Jamie Hayter, somebody that the crowd is fully behind, has been relegated to a supporting character or supporting role, I think is is wrong. And they need to find a way to bring these two women back to the spotlight. And especially, um, especially in the sense of that... When this is done, it looks like you don't care about certain women. And what I don't want to happen to Hater is what I've seen happen with other, not just women, but even but everybody, certain people in the roster, is that when you don't show that you care about a the talent, then fans will stop caring about that talent. And then they will lose their momentum. Yes. I uh, My thoughts on this is that... This segment pretty much killed whatever momentum they had with the crowd. I don't blame Soraya. I mean, she did the best she could, she, or Soraya. Uh, she's been gone for a long time. Uh, she did her best. I'm, go I'm going to say it. You can give maximum effort and do your best and still not be good. My, my actual critique is it wasn't good. This whole segment wasn't good. Um, it made her look like she was, you know, they needed her, the real star, to come put out the over the people in the company. It made every woman, to me, when she called the other four out, it made every woman in that company, including the champ, look minor league. Britt Baker comes out, and she's the other challenger, and she does a good job, and she's got the DMD thing, but... She kind of stumbles over her words and stuff. Again, talking in front of thousands of people, I couldn't even imagine doing. I want to be clear. I couldn't even imagine doing. It doesn't make them mess up any less, but I, I, while I can understand that, they still, this was a chance to get the women's division 
of up to next level. They swung, they missed. It wasn't good. It really took a while to get the crowd back. I feel like it did. Yeah, this just wasn't done well. I, I'm not saying it's dead. I'm not saying Soraya's dead or Soraya's dead. I think she has a good chance of coming back and making it work, especially if she can work in the ring. Even if she can't, she's going to do what she can. I felt like she was supposed to be telling me what she had planned, and then she just said change, and I don't think the change was clear. So I felt like we needed even more from that. So I, I just thought there was a lot wrong with this segment, and I wanted it to be better. And But I am going to give them time. I'm going to give her time. I'm going to give TK time to figure out. But if I'm talking about this segment today, this segment was bad. Then we had Tony Storm versus Serena Deeb, which unfortunately <laughs> had to get the crowd back from that segment, and they didn't. It was a really good match. Uh, it ended with... Uh, uh, Serena hitting a dragon screw on Tony. Deeb climbed to the top turnbuckle, but Tony met her up there. Uh, Storm spiked Deeb with an avalanche pile driver and pinned Deeb. So a pile driver from the second rope. God finally got a reaction from the crowd and the one, two, three. What did you think of this match, sir? I mean, it was a solid match. You're, these are ring work wise, two of the best ta- two of the best women in the AW women's division. Um, so it was, it was nothing. Less than what I thought it was. Yeah, it was, oh, yeah, it was just a really good match. And like I said, it just, yeah, I think they were unfortunately a victim of the segment before them. Backstage, Matt Hardy approaches the private party after they were dismissed by Andre Idolo. Uh, Quit, get out of your deal, and I'll promise we'll do it right. So uh, he's telling them to get out of his deal with Andrade. Then we get absolute Ricky Starks versus Eli Isom. Starks spears Isom. Stark, uh, uh, Starks uh, rocked Isom with the Rochambeau and scored the pin. This one was for the record books. It lasted like 30 seconds. I literally have no opinion on it. It was a Ricky Starks squash match. JR? Anything? I got nothing. Yeah, I didn't think. Yeah. ROH World Championship match, Chris Jericho versus Bandino. In my opinion, very much the match of the night, uh, but we will get to um, the end. Uh, Bandino nailed Jericho with the knee and then hits the 21 plex for a near fall. Unbelievable heart shown by Chris Jericho, said Excalibur. Jericho poked Bandito in the eye, which he seemed like he had busted his nose and was bleeding through his mask, which was an incredible visual. Jericho put Bandito in the lion tamer and forced Bandito to tap out. He had no choice, said Taz. Uh, sir, any thoughts on this match? Um, not, on the, not so much on the match as I do about the talent that is Bandito. If you if you remember Floyd and I believe you were there, I'm trying to remember all the pay-per-views you've been to. You all in? Uh huh. Yes, I was there. Okay. The, so the main event of All In was the Golden Elite Young Bucks and Kotobushi versus Rey Mysterio Jr., Rey Phoenix, and another luchador named Bandito. This was one of the first exposures, I think, to an American audience of Bandito. Um, I can't remember 
if he had worked. I know eventually he did work in PWG, um, but obviously, you know, that's a smaller community, but on a bigger scale, he eventually, after this, would get signed by Ring of Honor. But he is somebody, I from the minute that I saw him um, in, in that match, I was, and then you hear by AEW, I thought this guy should have been one of the first signings in AEW. And I think he's a tremendous talent. I think he has a great look. I, um, I think his ring work is is great, at, you know, with his luchador background. Um, you know, and we've been, as a, as a Hispanic, I've, I know I've probably said this on the show at least twice, and I've said it on social media, that professional wrestling since 2006 has been looking for the heir apparent to Rey Mysterio and Eddie Guerrero. And some people think that, you know, Penta and Phoenix may potentially fill that void. Um, but they've been stuck in tag team, you know, tag team competition. And now as in the trios division, Bandito may be that guy for AEW. I, and I think coming after this, coming out of this, I was told, or as we were told uh, through, you know, social media rumors that Tony Khan offered him a contract. And I hope that he signs, and I and I hope Tony Khan does something with him because I think he's somebody that they can put out there, especially um, when they're going they expanding into new markets. He's somebody that is extremely marketable, and I think will help gain new um, a new fan base and viewership. Yes, I thought LB. Uh, I think I thought Bandito was really great in this match. Uh, Chris Jericho who literally started and came up really in, uh, became a huge star in Mexico for anybody that didn't think he could keep up with his match. He, he's been, he's been spotting and catching Mexican wrestlers his whole career. So, you know, he hung with this match and he looked very good doing it. This match was great. I don't know if this would count as like a tryout match for Mendito because I believe he was on the ROH pay-per-view, but, he got offered a contract, and that's awesome. And I hope he takes it. Um, I think there's a place for him in AEW, and I think he's a very exciting wrestler. So he just seems like one of those people you could put on in the middle of the show, and with anybody, and they end up putting out a banger, and you just enjoy it. So, yeah. But that was not quite it for Dynamite. Uh, what happened? Cut the music. The Ring of Jericho, the Ring of Jericho era has begun. I'm changing what Ring of Honor is. I'm going to destroy its legend. I'm going to destroy every great champion that has held the Ring of Honor championships. And I'm challenging Brian Danielson in Toronto on October 12th for the Ring of Honor title. Jericho nailed ROH ring uh, ring announcer Bobby Cruz with the Judas Effect, which I don't know if he's a worker, but he took the Judas Effect well and sold it well. Uh, so, yeah, we got a match already for Toronto. Chris Jericho, Brian Danielson for an ROH world title. Shit, I think that's the main event of the show, right? <laughs> you guys, you know, that's going to be crazy. What did you think about Bobby Cruz taking the Judas effect? I was completely lost with the way Dynamite ended. Um, it just seemed one of those, like, you know, chaotic endings. I, but uh, I wonder where they're. So as of right now, ROH doesn't have a TV deal. So pay much the ROH, you know, brand is living vicariously through AEW right now. Um, I think you and I have speculated that we assume hope that maybe there will be in December 
a final battle show in December, um, which would be one that's the end of the year Ring of Honor preview that they've done traditionally. And, you know, one of the things about Ring of Honor, obviously not having a roster, um, or, I mean, there's a few signed, but not like a well developed roster yet, is that they've used a AEW talent. And I wonder where they're going with this because. You know, it would make sense to have somebody like Chris Jericho or, you know, if they do change the title, Brian Danielson, be a marquee main eventer for that pay-per-view. Um, not that they would, you know, continue on if Ring of Honor does get a TV deal, but at least for that pay-per-view because you need marketability to sell pay-per-views. And those are two of the biggest names in professional wrestling um, in AEW. Yeah, completely agree with everything you said there. I really don't have anything to add. I mean, if you're trying to sell a pay-per-view, Chris Jericho's name sells pay-per-views. That's what he does. I mean, he's been doing it for years. Uh, you put Chris Jericho in a main event match at you know at a final battle, uh, you give FTR the Motor City Machine Guns for the tag belts. Let's go. Let's 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 sell a let's sell a hundred thousand pay-per-views. That'd be amazing. Uh, all right, then on the rampage, which will pick up speed because it wasn't a very big rampage. First match was Isaiah Cassidy, Mark Quinn, Private Party, The Butcher and the Blade, and the Acclaimed with Billy Gunn and a um, a triple threat tag team match for the title. Um, I don't have a Caster's rap here, so it was very catchy. But I don't remember what he said or wrote it down. That's what Austin would generally do. So let me apologize. But uh, the match was really uh, really good everywhere. Uh, AEW is really good to these type of matches, the cluster F matches. Uh, to finish it, Isaiah Cassidy connected with a springboard on the butcher and the blade. Caster dived onto the pile outside. Caster used the arrival on the butcher and then. Caster, uh, no, it's not Caster, um, uh, Bowens, yeah, there's a typo in the AEW review. Bowens used the arrival on the Butcher, and then Caster finished him off with the mic drop for the pin, your winners, and still tag team champions, uh, uh, the acclaimed, uh, JR, did you have any thoughts on the result of this match? You got to get your tag team champions off onto the right foot by having them start racking up some wins. Yeah, this was a fun match. Uh, the claim still super over. It's literally, they only can lose the tag belts to a heel tag team because, yeah, somebody's going to get booed out of the building if that happens. Lexi Nair was backstage with the firm. The gun club insulted FTR and said they were going to leapfrog FTR and go straight for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Lexi Nair was backstage to interview TVS champion Jay Cargill. Vicky Guerrero interrupted her and her client, and Nyla Rose stepped up to challenge uh, Cargill. Would, uh, any thoughts on, uh, first of all, Gun Club threatening to jump FTR to go after the tag team titles, or and Nyla Rose seems to be Gay Cargill's next opponent. Any thoughts on that? I I just I like the Gun Club. I, I, we met them. They're solid guys. They're, they're fun to be around. 
Um, we, we've heard, uh, you know, the raps that they've done, um, you know, it's just there's levels and I just, you know, FTR, this is, I don't think what people understand when individuals criticize, you know, how FTR is booked and people say, well, they're the AAA champions, they're the Ring of Honor champions, IWG travels, like, how are they getting, you know, how are they not getting pushed? But it's like, you can put a championship on somebody, but if you are not putting them in situations for them to be elevated or they're not on shows, then you're not being, you're not pushing them. I, and we've, I've, we've seen this with other talent, not just in AEW and other companies as well. And, you know, they are, again, there's levels and just FTR should be at the top with top tier talents. Um, now, transitioning to what you said about Jade and Nyla, this is one of the dangerous things about Jade's uh, Jade's record is that she's going to start running out of opponents. And I'm not that I have a problem with her wrestling Nyla, but I'm old school. I like baby faces versus heels. And you have kind of a heel faction with Jade, even though Jade kind of, because of how much people love her, she's kind of a tweener, um, but versus Nyla who has a heel faction with her, Marina, and, and Vicky. So um, I just don't know how I feel about that. But, it, again, she's running out of opponents, so they're going to have to figure something out. I got to throw a shout-out to Marina. She is such a badass until, like, the match starts. <laughs> like, she has a very intimidating presence in the backstage and that kind of stuff, and I kind of actually dig it. Uh, I like Nyla for Jade. Uh, you know, one of the uh, few people she's not going to have the clear strength advantage over. So I think they'll be able to tell a good story. So that should be fun. And the gun club. I mean, I love the gun club. Don't give me. Yeah, I, I basically root for the gun club. But, you know, I root for FTR more. The names on the account is FTR Express, not gun club Express. You get that. Uh, then uh, we had the Lee Moriarty versus Fuego Del Sol. Uh, Moriarty, uh, finish came when Moriarty applied the border city stretch to Fuego Del Sol and Fuego tapped out. Shout out to our boy Fuego for actually getting on the show, getting on TV. He was on national TV. Fuego Del Sol, whatever. Love it. Then, uh, Morrissey came in the ring and chokeslam Fuego just like for no reason. Uh, any thoughts on this match? Uh, let's bring back Fuego, man. I love me some Fuego. Dude, he was my bowling partner. The crowd loved Fuego, you know, and it just seems like you you need a baby face in peril to get over. It just seems like Fuego, if you ever want to give him an upset, you could do some stuff with him. And I'll say this. I know this was Lee Moriarty, and, and he's, you know, he's a great worker. And, you know, that's what they signed him last year. But, you know, I, I just really am, for what it's worth, again, for two cents, I'm so happy and like just shout out to W Morrissey because I you know I had I read earlier this week and not that I did, and I knew about it but just going over everything that he went through um and to get to where he's at now and he looks like a fucking million dollars like he is somebody that if let's say if if we didn't do Mox versus MJF like, that's not where we're going, which is obviously, like, I think where we're going. 
he is somebody that you can like that's the next killer that Mox would take for you know for the AW championship. I would even care to say like you could do more like you could build into a mid like uh, upper mid card feud with him versus someone like Hangman Adam Page because he looks like he just looks like a killer and he is built like a you know just looks like a million dollars and everything he's overcame to get to where he's at dude just shots that dude because he's he can be a star if they want him to absolutely i completely agree with that um next match we got willow nightingale versus jamie hater uh finish came willow climbed to the top for a moonsault but Britt grabbed Willow's legs as the ref was distracted. Jamie smashed Willow with a short arm, larried it, and then pinned her. Love me some Willow. Love her energy. Uh, yeah, Willow, Willow has my heart. Uh, but Jamie definitely looked good in this match. I love her using basically a rainmaker as her finisher. And yeah, I thought this was a really good match. Any thoughts on this match? I agree. Okay. Woman that AEW has on their roster. Yeah, uh, okay. So, uh, start that over. What did you say again? I said, I, just to echo what you say, the same sentiments. These are two two great women AEW has on the roster. And I I, I would like to see more of Willow in AEW. Again, I believe she's a part of the Ring of Honor roster. That She's one of the few names that signed to Ring of Honor. Um, but I would like to see her more in AEW until they can figure that part out. All right, and then this was just a straight old school wrestling segment Hollywood hunk Ryan Nevins ran down uh, ran down Philadelphia FTW champ hook heard enough walked out to the ring beat up Nemeth with clothesline uh, then he did the cross arms and then uh, hit the red rum so you everybody might know this the big thing you're in Philadelphia Taz was huge in Philly this was basically just a tag segment with his son which was awesome I, I thought this was perfect. I, I thought it was perfectly placed in the show. I loved it. Your thoughts, sir? That's 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 the guy here, man. I mean, we talk about guys that AEW can make stars, but, man, I, I said it from the first time he was in his match, which oh, was it against Fuego, his debut match? I believe so. And, and it was just like, again, I was mesmerized. I was like, this dude has it. It's just... Something you just see that he has it, and they're like, "Well, you know, you know, calm expectations, calm." You know, we think of like, no, it's just every single. He has literally just kept pushing forward and has not taken a step back. You know, you can criticize Tony Khan, you know, and AW booking on a number of things, but the one thing that to to kind of defend is that the way that they booked Hook has been impeccable just that's constant slow bringing up and um you know i look i I look forward to where he's at you know next year floyd uh he's a slam dunk probably bigger than other than MJF, he's probably their biggest homegrown talent and he hasn't really even you know like wrestled a ton uh, but you can <coughs> you can just see in his interactions with everyone. I had the cough.
bit of a allergy season affects all of us. Bit of a coughing fit there. Um, and I have to talk more when I'm the host than I'm used to. So got a little dried out there. Dark quarters, John Silver with Alex Reynolds versus uh, Roosh with Andrade El Idolo, friend of the show. John Silver, love the guy. I think he's our guy. We love Johnny Hungy. I've been very clear, <coughs> excuse me, that AEW could do more with him if he wants because fans love him. But the finish came with, um, all right, Joe Jose jumped on the ring apron, but Reynolds pulled him back down. Silver was distracted by Andre. Andrade and Roosh blindsided Silver. Roosh finished off Silver with a bull's horns pinning him. I got to tell you, I've never been a fan of the bull's horns. But if you think about it, it's probably the most legitimate move in wrestling. He literally slides you in the corner and just runs and kicks you in the face. Who wouldn't that knock out? Uh, after the match, um, Andrade continued to attack on Silver and Reynolds. After the match until Evil Uno and Ten sprinted in to make the save. Butcher and Blade ran out to help Andrade. Hangman, Paige hurting and ring and blasted Jose with the buckshot lariat. Hangman has his sights set on Roosh. Tony Khan made the match official. It will be Roosh versus Hangman at Dynamite Anniversary. Sir, what did you think about the match? What did you think about the final segment? Why, well, I take some drinks and try to clear my airwaves. Uh, I have been very high on John Silver, and I think they put on a, a solid match, um, a fun match. I think um, as we move forward, there are certain names in AEW that you wonder where they, what's their status, what's going on because of how things change. And I know one of the things that I don't know the exact quote from Tony Khan, but. You know, you put people in factions or stables because you have limited amount of time on television, and so by doing so, puts gives allows your talent to be seen. When if you didn't have factions or stables, they probably wouldn't. And w you have a situation right now where I think something could be done to showcase both sides. I think fans may enjoy because the Dark Order is always going to be in the hearts of AEW fans. If they explore a dark order um, versus, let's just say, you know, the office of Andrade, I think something could be done where people would be interested. You know, you have Silver Reynolds, Hangman's a part of it, Ten's a part of it, versus Andrade, Roosh, and uh, Butcher and Blade. I think there's something there where people, you know, it's not going to be a long-term feud, but something for through the course of a couple of weeks, especially if you're building towards one of their big, like, you know, big dynamites that I think people would enjoy. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I just thought this was, yeah, I think this, speaking of this, this is about to be the, one of the more loaded dynamites. I wouldn't say it's grand slam level, but it's very close. Uh, AEW Dynamite three-year anniversary show from Washington, D.C. I was there for the first uh, Dynamite in D.C., and it was very fun. Better planning in life by me. This is a life fail. I would have been able to be here, but 
again, yeah, I, I've been doing a lot. So sometimes you got to tell yourself no. We got Luchasaurus in action. We got MJF versus Willa Yuta. We have the aforementioned Hangman versus Roosh. Then we got a match that was announced on, was it Monday? Too much fanfare. We have our AEW open, a TNT title open challenge match. We have the Wardlow versus Brian the Machine Cage. Big meaty men slapping meat. Oh my God. Match of the night, match of the year. The most, probably my most anticipated match of the last few months. Singles match. Oh my God. I, I, I love Brian Cage. I, I, I love Brian Cage. I don't think Brian Cage is capable of having a bad match when healthy. That dude's just a bunch of high spots. This is a perfect open challenge for Wardlow. They, I, if this match goes more than 10 minutes, it's stupid. I just want to see suplexes and hurricane runners and big men throwing each other around. Because I say hurricane runners because Brian Cage is in the ring and he throws a good one. And Warlow doesn't have a half bad one. I want them beating the shit out of each other for like seven minutes until, you know, Warlow finally wins. I am so excited. Like on a one to 10 excitement level for this match, it is literally 11. I'm not even joking. I am just about as excited for these two men fighting as I am about FTR having a big tag team match. Oh my God. I've wanted to see this match. I've needed to see this match. People are talking about there's no build. Fuck your build. I want to see Wardlow and Brian Cage beat the shit out of each other. It doesn't need to build. There's your story. You got two fucking huge people about to fight. What other story do you need? What other build do you need? All right, JR, what's your thoughts on that match? That you have two big meaty men slap me, and I don't want to hear anything about five-star, 30-minute classics, man. This, this is – you and I have been doing a, a, a mini dive into old-school wrestling. This is why I became a wrestling fan. Like, you know, real-life superheroes just beating the crap out of each other and throwing each other around a, a squared circle until one person's uh, hand is raised in victory. And uh, This I'm is Colossus versus the Juggernaut. Let's go, the X-Men. I know Brian Cage likes to be Wolverine, but sorry, dude, you're a little too big to play that one. This is Colossus versus Juggernaut. Beat the shit out of each other. Uh, this National Scissoring Day... I don't even know how to explain that, but uh, it's scissor me daddy ass. Uh, make sure you go pick up the Top Rope Tuesday shirt. It's an all pink version of the scissor me daddy shirt. I am on the fence about picking it up. I shouldn't. I don't need another shirt, but the idea of an all pink shirt saying scissor me daddy ass, I think it's going to be too good for me to pass up. You know what I mean, JR? Yeah, it's one of those, man, this is one of those shirts where I'm with, I mean, you have way more shirts than I do, but I definitely don't need shirts either because I just donated a bunch of them to uh, wrestling shirts to, uh, you know, charitable causes in the last week. But I see this shirt and it's one of those things like, you know, I don't go enough wrestling shows to wear it to wrestling shows. And I'm just like, I. it's a great shirt, though. Yeah, I literally want to wear it to the grocery store. I want to wear it to the movies. I just, the looks, you know, just crack me up. Um, then we got Darby Allen versus Jay Lethal, which should be a banger. 
women's match, uh, uh, Tony Storm, Athena, and Willow with Soraya in the corner versus Jamie Hayter, Serena Deeb, and Penelope Ford with Britt Baker in their corner. And then we have uh, the main event. Looks like it's Brian Danielson and Dan- uh, Daniel Garcia versus Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara. Uh, any thoughts on the matches you're going to see? You know, one of the things I like is this is the the third year anniversary of, of Dynamite. And obviously AEW has overgone, you know, a lot of changes in the three years, you know, with talent, you know, some talent leaving some and new talents coming in. But I think I, I believe they've done a good job mixing up those AEW originals and a and new talent that have helped elevate AEW on the show. And that's really important is having that good mix because you have your dedicated AEW original fan base who wants to see guys like Darby and Sammy and Jericho. And then you're going to have new people that are going to want to see individuals like Brian Danielson. And so I think that's a, I think they did a great job, you know, structuring a solid dynamite. They did. And, you know, very, very fitting third anniversary show. Uh, Sammy Guevara being in the main event when he was in the first match at the first Dynamite. I think that was uh, that that's really cool. Uh, you know, you have some people that were at the first Dynamite that can't be on this show. You know what I mean? So it's cool to have that and get everybody represented it. Um, if we somehow get an elite uh elite uh, return or whatever i would be very happy with that because it's been a month i don't know like i said i don't know who's coming back i don't know what the plan is but hopefully they get them coming back at the anniversary show would be like the most perfect thing that ever perfect uh then we uh we're also getting live rampage and uh this week we're also getting uh tnt uh battle of the belts so they're going to be also in D.C. and they're recording Friday. The only match we have for Rampage right now is 10, uh, 10 versus Andrade and it's Mask versus, uh, Mask versus Loser Leave AEW. So if 10 loses, he gets the Mask that Brody, uh, Andrade gets the bra- Mask that Brody Lee gave him. If uh, Andrade loses, he has to leave AEW. And then uh, news and notes. Uh, we have AEW releases the TNT title for pre-sale. There's two different versions. There's the black one, and then there's the red one, which I call the Cody version because you know, Cody was the last one to actually hold it. And I'm really looking forward to it. It's $549. Uh, the uh, pre-sale only goes to October 21st, and the red one's only going to be available in the pre-sale. So I'm guessing the other one... Uh, the uh, other ones are going to uh, be available like at different shows and stuff. But if you want the red one, you have to get in pre-sale, which I will be making the terrible purchase of a belt. I have on here uh, rallied against belts and how they're basically overgrown paperweights. But I will be getting Cody's belt, the TNT belt. I will eventually have him sign it. I am very excited to get that title in my house and display it. I I mean, seriously, today was like a perfect day. I found out about the, I got the pop, I mean, that, I found about the title. I was just, it was a good day. Uh, what do you think about the TNT title being released, sir? Uh, wrestling fans love replicas. 
actually, that's one of the reasons why I think I got into many Facebook groups was because at one point in before I started traveling was I was I was a collector of replica belts and uh, it's something that people have been clamoring for for a while and and there's a number of reasons why it hadn't happened so it's good to see that they released it I hope hopefully in the next six months to a year they release the AW tag team title because for me that's one that I'm looking forward to obviously because of FTR um, the red one looks extremely looks extremely nice you look the individuals held it Cody Brody Lee Darby Allen. Um, and obviously the black one has gone over changes. You know, the black version of Warlow has is kind of, and Sammy Guevara held, you know, was gemmed out. So it's a little bit different. That was more the original. That was, that black version is what Darby carried up until he lost to Tamero. So, and then they've overgone changes uh, since then, you know, but it's, it's good. Like I said, that they're going to get people to buy it. I think just you know once they announce it, I think four people I've talked to so they they plan on buying the belt. We're nerds, man. We like collecting stuff. We are nerds, so that's good to hear because I was feeling I was in my feelings because I basically said you know it was when the AEW World Title came out, I actually had the money to get it, and I just said you know what I, I'm waiting on the TNT belt. Me and Jr. had that conversation where I said I'm waiting on the TNT belt, and. You know, ever since then, I've been like on the fence and off the fence. But I know on February or whenever the belt comes out, whenever the belt comes out and someone gets that rare belt and they they post it online, I'm going to be pissed at myself for not getting it. And I'm in in one day I'm going to end up paying like eight hundred to a thousand dollars to get the red belt. I know this. I'm like, I can see into the future of my FOMO. So I am not going to let that get me. I'm just going to go ahead and order it now. And then I don't have to worry about it. That's how I see it. That's my, that's my uh, thought on it. But man, we're done. Uh, I mean, you know, we're done. The show's over. You got any thoughts before we uh, stop this and let you go to bed? And everybody, um, just remember as I as I start earlier, um, you can't control what other people do. You can only control um, yourself and the way you interpret information and and digest it. So, if you need, it, there's nothing wrong with pulling back and putting yourself first and um, to remove yourself from anything, whether it's social media, whether it's you know news or anything that you that you think is affecting your mental well-being you know we've overcome we've gone through endured a lot over the last few years and um you know life is difficult as it is no reason to make it difficult and find yourself a find yourself a good core group of friends that are going to be there for you when you need them and that's all i have to say and everybody have a great weekend enjoy dynamite all right. Uh, well, thank you, Jr., for putting that so well. I'd like to thank everybody that takes any time, moment, second, minute to listen to our show. Go ahead and like and share and let everyone know that you're listening to the podcast with the proclivity for positivity, all things elite. I, um, I thank you, and I will leave you how I always leave you, whether it is home, work, or school. Always do your best to be elite.